This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. How's it going? It's Christoph Trapp here. Um, live streaming again, Periscope, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. If you want to join the live stream, always welcome to have you um, on the show. Always happy that people are tuning in. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, same thing. Connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter to uh, to get future notifications of live streams. I'm going to throw up. Um, that is not the right one. If I can find it here in a little bit, I'm going to throw up the Twitter handle, C-Trap, if you want to connect with there. Um, happy to do that as well. Today, I want to talk about digital communities. And I know community building is a term that's kind of being thrown around there. Everybody wants to build a community. Everybody wants to connect and engage. And then I end up in an executive meeting and all they talk about is how do we make money quickly? How do we get them? How do we build the better mousetrap? Whatever the latest cliche might be. So today, today's guest, I'm going to bring him on in a second here. It's Mark Zohar. He's the president and chief operating officer at Viafora in, uh, based in Toronto. And there's a description and a link, of course, in the show notes if you want to check them out. Um, and you can tell us more about the company. But we want to talk about what's a digital community? Why would you want to build one? How do you engage with people? I know everybody can do it, but guess what? It's harder and harder uh, than ever, right, Mark? How's it going? Great. How are you, Christopher? Hanging in there, living the dream, still at home. COVID is still in full swing here in Iowa. Um, how about you? Yeah, you know, we I'm in Toronto. We had our first snowfall uh, this morning, which is just uh, portends uh, for the, our next six months here in Toronto. But uh, I guess you guys have a big day tomorrow in, uh, in the United States. We do, guys. If you're listening on the uh, podcast, of course, uh, way past the election, but tomorrow is the election in the in the United States. Uh, interestingly, Mark, I'm actually going back to some of my roots. I'm, I'm working for the Associated Press tomorrow night, uh, which I haven't done true journalism work, I guess, in a while. But uh, interesting how things kind of go full cycle. So tell us about digital communities. What are we talking about? Why is it important? And, and um, how did you get involved with uh, digital communities? Well, you know, it, it's, it's a broad term and it can mean many different things to many different people. It can mean, uh, I mean, I think of digital communities as a, a group or a community of, of people. Ultimately, we're talking about real people with real interests who have either a shared interest, shared passions, and want to engage directly, not only with uh, a brand or the content creator that they're attached to or affiliated with, but really with, uh, with, the, with other people that share that interest. You know, and I think that a lot of digital community builders think about it as a one-to-many digital community, meaning I'm a brand and I wanna create a community for my users because either I wanna know more about them, I want them to promote my products, um, and that one-to-many digital community, I think, is very transactional uh, and doesn't really work well. 
And I'm much more interested in, and I think the best communities are the many-to-many -many communities where um, we have this very interactive, very spontaneous, very organic uh, affiliation engagement between uh, community members, the community host, whether, again, that be a brand or whether that be um, a, a specific site of passionate, interested people where we're getting content from. And I think the power of community is really the power of people. It's uh, we, ultimately, we all want to engage. We want to know more about one another. We want to pursue our interests. We want to get information that makes us smarter and better. Um, and we see that every day in the work we do at VO4, where we help build digital communities for um, digital media brands, for digital publishers, uh, and so on. So I think the power of the community is just really the power of people. And you know, I think COVID and uh, all the things that it is, you know, uh, impacted us negatively has, I think, opened up this positively the idea that we need to connect more and we need to connect better as digital communities, uh, whether it be through Zoom, whether it be through specific sites uh, or whether it be through, um, again, communities of interest. Well, you know, what's interesting to me, communities, certainly I'm, I, I like communities. I've built communities for a while, even going back to the late 20, uh, 2000s, I guess, 2009, Eastern Iowa News. It was really a community site, right? How do I bring the community together? How do I get people to share things? It was kind of at the beginning of Facebook for the general population, quite frankly. But today, Mark, communities online, they just give me, I mean, heartburn or a headache. You know, I'm going into the... Uh, comment sections on newspapers, and they're just terrible. I'm going into Facebook groups. They're just terrible. And I know we had a show on, should we do a Facebook group or not? And and my opinion is, for the brand, they're great. For a consumer, they're just giving me a headache. So uh, those are not the communities you're talking about, right? You're talking about a good experience, I hope and assume. Yeah, and they're actually, that's, that's a really interesting point you make. Um, there was this great study, and I don't have it handy, but I can certainly share it at some point in time, about uh, uh, interviewing community, people in, who are interested in online communities, what are the most important things for them? And number one was to have meaningful conversations. And the second one is to be respected and to have civil conversations. Um, when you open up a, a marketplace of ideas to uh, a community, you risk you know, all the negative things about communities, whether it's in physical life or online, that is, you know, bullying, attacking, trolling, hate speech, racism, and all of that. And one of the things that we do, um, and it's really an imperative for us uh, at our company at Viafora, is enable civil brand safe uh, conversations through uh, a very uh, sophisticated, we think it's best in class, content moderation uh, capability. And that's both AI powered, so we can automatically align the community guidelines of a specific community with uh, technology that ensures that those community guidelines are being respected. Um, and we also offer human moderation services, uh, real people that are employed by Viafora that, uh, you know, technology isn't perfect. So while our AI, we believe is like 90%, effective in terms of identifying all those aspects, negative aspects of bullying and so on. There are 10% or so that require some human intervention. And so we have trained content moderators. Uh, I can tell you that they haven't had a lot of sleep lately and they're getting ready for tomorrow night at the uh, US election. Um, 
But yeah, you have to create a safe space. I mean, think about it of walking into a cocktail party. If you walked into a cocktail party and you were told this is a, a cocktail party of people who share your interests, and the first thing that happened when you opened the door, someone screamed at you and called you an idiot, you close the door and, and walk out. It's the same thing for any digital community. Um, the community host, again, whether it be a brand or an, or an online newspaper or a digital publisher, needs to ensure that that is a safe environment that, again, going back to those key imperatives, creates meaningful conversations that are respected by everyone there. And so when you talk about these communities, are you, uh, are you talking about like, is it like a forum? Is it on the website? Where is it housed? And I, uh, you know, that's kind of um, a different model. I mean, I'm, I'm following the Hawk fanatics, of uh, Hawkeye football writers and basketball writers, and they have forums. And certainly people interact in there. I still think there is a lot of negativity going on and maybe not them specifically because it's brand new, but, but everywhere I go, is that kind of the model to put it on your website or where are these communities housed? Yeah. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good taking off point or takeoff point. If you think about the last five to seven years, um, most uh, digital property owners, if you want to call it digital brands, anyone who had a digital presence has effectively um, offloaded their community to social. Um, they've relied on Facebook, they've relied on Twitter, they've relied on Instagram, um, on Reddit to basically build their community or manage their community or create a community presence there. And I think those things are great. They're not going away. Uh, they're really effective. We have Those are platforms that manage your communities for you. You have a presence there uh, where you can be present. But I think what's happening now is that most uh, brands who own a digital strategy want to now have a direct relationship with their community. They want to have that community also present uh, on their own sites, in their own native apps, uh, you know, across their organization. And so we're helping at VR4, we're helping uh, companies, whether they're digital publishers like, you know, uh, uh, Gray Media in the United States, or we just closed one of the largest uh digital publishers in the UK called Reach PLC or up here in Canada, we work with CBC and others. We're helping them create that community on their owned and operated channels. And that means a number of things. It means being able to allow that community to uh, communicate directly with the brand by leaving comments, uh, by having live chats, by even uh, participating in live blogs. It also means communicating with and, and, uh, and building a community with the other members on that side. Um, so one of the things that VO4, I think, does really well is create um, essentially a kind of a Facebook feed experience on your own site where you can follow other members of the community directly on these digital properties. You can get notifications when others have uh, responded to you, like things you did. You can opt into topics that you want to receive more information on. And so we create this kind of holistic uh, approach to audience engagement that starts with Everything from commenting to conversations to chat to personal recommendations to a personalized feed, push notifications, all with the ultimate goal for our customers to turn an anonymous audience member into a known audience member that ultimately becomes part of your community that you can then turn into a loyal, retained uh, user of your, of your community. And I mean, having somebody who is not anonymous, I mean, there's many, many advantages, of course, from a business perspective, but also from actually building a community because 
You know what? When I see these people out there on some people call them burner accounts on on Twitter, right? And they just ripping you apart and they just launched their account. I'm like, why do I even care? I don't even know who you are. So certainly uh, from a business perspective, from a community perspective, um, but, you know, people know you. The one thing I want to share quickly here is so you talked about, you know, with the web, uh, with your digital property. Uh, I just recently got done putting together uh, some numbers for a client. And the strategy we ran is what I'm showing you here is the create once, publish everywhere model. Not Nothing new to you, certainly, Mark. Um, and the reason I want to mention this here is because what's interesting to me is all these different channels perform differently, right? Sometimes the web is taken off, then Google is messing around with things. Um, so I'm, I'm a big believer, I, I, hopefully you can see this, Mark, with the web as the centerpiece and then all the other channels, whether it's Instagram or whether it's um, Twitter or whether it's Facebook. And, you know, I, I keep telling everyone, you know, we're doing this live stream and you, you guys know why we do the live stream because people are watching the live stream and they watch the replay. And then a very different audience listens to the podcast channels on 19 channels. And then a whole other audience listens to, uh, not listens to, but reads the article on the website. So it's kind of, it's still a little fractured. Um, but as we're building these communities, how hard or easy is it to get people to come to them, Mark? Yeah, listen, everything, <laughs> everything is about value exchange. You can't create a community unless there's value for the community, whether it's value you deliver yourself as someone who runs that community as a digital brand or as an online publisher, or once you're in the community, the community itself needs to continuously provide value to each of the members to, to you know, engage and continue to uh, come back to that community. And that's also about content, right? I know both you and I have spent a lot of time in the content space, um, creating relevant personalized content um, for the community and for the community to give back that personalized relevant content back to itself is, is something that's really important. And so we're trying at VF4 to allow um, the members of a digital community to have a voice and to be have a respectful voice where they can, you know, share their opinions, they can engage in meaningful conversations, in safe conversations, they can contribute to the health of that community by being um, uh, supporters, mentors, adding insights to it. And so I think that's really important. The other part that is kind of overriding all of this that we're seeing more from the kind of brand perspective is um, kind of the imperative of getting first party data today. So many people watching probably know or listening that third party cookies are kind of on their way out and in the next year or two will be deprecated. And again, in the same way that uh, digital brands have offloaded their communities in many ways to social, um, they've also offloaded their uh, relationship with users to third-party trackers in, in large part. And as that goes away, we're seeing tons of companies come to us and say, listen, we need to uh, build a first-party data strategy. We need to know and have a direct relationship with our audience. Well, that's easier said than done. You have to give them value in order to get their first party data to make them part of your community and continue to nurture them. And in order to do that, you have to have that value exchange. And that's what digital property owners really need to figure out. What is the value I'm delivering to create that community? Well, what's interesting about value is, I mean, there are some of the, the projects I've done over the years, Mark, and I thought they, they were offering value but the distribution strategy wasn't quite up to snuff, right? My promotion strategy wasn't quite there. 
So I didn't get it in front of the right people. Uh, and, and what I find interesting about that is everybody keeps saying today, well, everybody can be a publisher. Anybody can just start their own site. Everybody can just start their own community. And that's true. But that doesn't mean anybody's paying attention, right? Or that you're breaking through the noise. So we we certainly have to think about that as well. How do we get it in front of people? And then how do we get them to even engage with us? The one thing I want to circle back on is the AI. Of course, AI is is kind of a um, hot button item today. A lot of people are talking about it. We've had a number of shows about it. There's now the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Conference. Uh, I went to it last year. Uh, this year it was canceled completely because of COVID and many, many other conferences. Um, and one of the, the, it wasn't AI, but back in the day when I had comments on sites, um, they would hold comments, right? If they had more than two links, or I could, I think I could maybe say certain words, um, you have to hold them. But how does it work in this case? Like, is it based on the sentiment or the wording? And like, right. how, how, how does it work, I guess? It's a great point because um, it has to be more sophisticated than just blocking certain words uh, because unfortunately there are trolls out there. There are people who have, uh, for whatever reason, I can't understand the psychology, but uh, want to upset that community and be agitators and they can get quickly around a banned words list. You know, banned words list is kind of the the very basic approach. Um, what AI does and specifically how we've implemented it for our customers is it is a semantic language. Uh, uh, it looks for semantic language patterns in, in the content. And so um, apparently there are six and a half million ways to obfuscate a word. Uh, if you want to do that, if you were really intent on getting past the community guideline, our AI looks for that, looks for it in context, understand that the word snowflake yeah, is great because it's snowing here in Toronto today. But if I called you a snowflake, uh, that may be a personal attack. And so it understands sentence structure it understands context and understands, um, uh, the, again, the semantic language patterns around any particular language. And then, and that's not enough in and of itself. We then take that and then we, as I mentioned earlier, customize it for your specific community guidelines. So just as an example, um, in sports, if you have a sports community, uh, you may be you may allow your community and your community guidelines to talk some smack, maybe using the occasional curse words. Maybe you can um, have looser community guidelines than, let's say, uh, you know, obviously a, a religious community or even a political community. So we take those community guidelines. We work with our customers and then we tune the AI to specifically match the requirements and the guidelines for that. So it's it's really sophisticated. It obviously like AI, it, it learns. Um, in addition to that, we provide tools for the community members to basically mute one another, ban one another, or flag one another. Um, and all those signals, um, you know, help the AI learn. So um, it, nothing's perfect. That's why, again, we have the, a human moderation team to address some of those issues when they come up. And again, all the decision making that happens on our human moderation team feeds back into the AI to make it better and more, uh, you know, more responsive. Yeah, I mean, very interesting. And um, especially the whole muting people. What's interesting about that, I, I did this when I was really into Facebook groups. And Mark, I think I've left every Facebook group that I was a member in just because people keep saying the same thing over and over. Rules are enforced haphazardly. It's really, um, it wasn't a good experience, right? And it was taking a lot of time. And I mean, even some of the bigger groups, there's like, 
90,000 members and everybody just posts the same stuff. And it's like at some point I have to see my family, um, even though, you know, we see each other much more now uh, being at home because of COVID. Um, The other thing when it comes to muting people is you want to be aware of this. I mean, I've muted and blocked people, but then you don't see anything that they say anymore, right? You don't. So sometimes it's kind of weird because you see one comment and then you don't see theirs and then you see a response. Uh, So it can be kind of weird from that perspective. Um, for companies that want to get started building a community on their site, how, how do they even start? What's, what's, the, uh, what's the approach um, that you recommend? You know, I want to go, I'll answer that in a second. I want to get back to one point you made, and that is, uh, you know, people saying the same things and, you know, the content seems either repetitive or not value uh, driving. One of the things that we believe very strongly in is in social proof and that the digital the digital community host, again, whether that's be a publisher or a brand, needs to participate actively in the community to mm-hmm. provide a level of kind of guidance or mentoring or participation. On the social proof side, one of the things that uh, we offer our customers and really work closely with them is this notion of editor's picks. Go in and curate the best comments that have the provide the most insight, um, contribute most to the understanding of the content or the, or the community and feature them right up front. And when people see great content, insightful content, it actually is a form of social proof that makes them want to create, you know, follow suit. If you show garbage all the time, you're going to get more garbage. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way to curate using what we call our editor's pick solution. Um, and that, you know, involves, you know, that community, uh, brand to participate in there. And I think it's, that's really important. They need to have a voice in their community. They shouldn't just let the community run by itself. Um, so in terms of how do you build a community, you have to, first of all, uh, ensure that there's you know safe, meaningful conversations that you can enable, uh, that you, in our view, enable a many-to-many community rather than a one-to-many community. Really allow your community members to uh, interact with one another, to um, to connect with one another, to follow one another on your owned and operated channels. And if you do, what that will result in is uh, retention, re-engagement, and a place where people want to come back to. Um, now, in order to do that, you also have to provide content uh, to that community to make it relevant and personalized to them. Uh, and whether that's, you know, articles that you write that, you uh, uh, you know, try to elicit responses from the community or even products like we offer, like Ask Me Anything, so like launch an AMA on your own owned and operated site around a specific topic, bring in an expert, uh, a personality, and then, you know, get the community involved in that. So there is work to do, um, but I think the most important thing is make sure that there's hmm. relevance, there's brand safety, and that there is a that many-to-many community building feature involved in that now i know you have a team that uh offers that as a service right service as a uh, um, service i guess or whatever um but how do you i mean how do i justify the cost i mean what i just heard you say is that it's not just on autopilot and and don't get me going how many meetings i've been in over the years where somebody says oh if we do this if we do that we can just put it on autopilot i mean think about social media i just put it on autopilot uh, my ad campaign, I put it on autopilot. And that's true. And planes fly on autopilot. And there's still pilots on them too, 
right? I mean, it's not like the autopilot totally got rid of the, the, the pilots. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing in my mind when it comes to social and ad campaigns and really anything, scheduling stuff. I mean, during COVID, we had to s- shut stuff down. Some content shouldn't see the light of day, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit because it didn't fit anymore. It didn't work anymore. Like an ad campaign needed to be pulled off TV or wherever. Um, how do I, you know, if I want to go in and, and talk to the CEO and say, hey, we want to do this and, and here's the cost. How do we, uh, how do I justify that, I guess? Yeah, well, they're, they're different elements of cost, but I'll start with the, with the first, uh, with the first part of this is if you came into a CEO uh, of any digital property owner, uh, 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 a digital publisher, a brand, a community, and you said to that CEO, we have two choices. We can either just talk to ourselves and put out content uh, where we're not getting any feedback from the community or building a community, or we can actually try to learn from our audience, nurture that audience, understand them, have a personal and direct relationship with them. Um, I don't think the former is a valid and viable model anymore. You can't just farm it out to social and say, hey, all of our engagement happens on social. We don't care what happens on our on our owned and operated channels. I, I don't think that's a viable strategy going forward. Um, so you're left with, how do I do this? And yes, there are costs. I mean, you could try to put it on autopilot. It might work a little bit, but the more you put in, the more you're gonna get. Um, you know, from a cost perspective, um, it's, if you're, if your community is around your, your brand, it's around the content you deliver, it's around the stories you want to, um, you know, uh, deliver it back to your community. Well, you need to participate in some way. You need to either deliver that content, you need to participate in that model. Is it, you know, uh, is there a cost to that? Sure, but I think that's the cost of actually doing business today. Um, the other part of cost is if you're going to use any community building solution, uh, whether it's a SaaS solution or otherwise, yeah, there's cost to technology. Uh, one of the things that we've done uh, recently is we understand that in some of our industries, you know, cost is an issue. Um, and we've created a new business model for our customer that says we can, we'll give you our entire audience engagement and community building suite, uh, enterprise suite at no upfront cost. And we'll work with you to actually monetize that suite through uh, ad supported and subscription offers. And what we've turned things around is before when you maybe had to pay us a SaaS license, now we're actually writing you checks and working with you. Give you an example. Um, our, uh, our UK customer, Reach PLC, which owns and operates large publishers like Daily Express, uh, Daily Star, Mirror, and so on. They've implemented our full suite of engagement tools. Their key KPIs driving registrations through our capabilities. Um, we've now allowed them to uh, target uh, advertising and subscription offers directly in our products um, in order to monetize their audience. And I don't want to say that in a crass way, but actually provide them with targeted offers that are relevant to their experience. And in this way, you know, generate uh, revenue for them and lower their cost of getting started. So on that end of the scale, we're, we have some you know, new opportunities on the kind of management of the community. I think you have to have some cost. You need to have an audience development manager. You need to have a community manager really looking at and participating in that community. Well, I mean, there's a cost to everything, right? So if, if we think everything is free, you got to spend money to make money, right, as they say. Um, the other thing is when you have a community, 
I see that as a potential um, to, I mean, you can also use that for your marketing stories, right? Your content marketing stories, because people say things, people share things. Uh, you might even be able to quote them. And of course, uh, that's the whole model, right? When you work with influencers, uh, you quote an influencer, guess what they do? They share your content once it comes out. So I bet you if you, if you quote, of course, ask for permission, um, you know, a customer, they will share your content. Hey, absolutely. I mean, I think that's part of the value of a community, right? You want your community to amplify your content, amplify your messaging. Um, the other part, which you kind of uh, touched on, which is really interesting for us, is uh, is the, the new insights that you get from your community that you couldn't have gotten anywhere else. Uh, I'll give you a simple example. We work with a lot of digital publishers uh, who, you know, write content around news, politics, what have you. Um, and then we enable that those conversations that go along with that, that community of commenting and conversations and interactions. Um, what we're starting to do is to look in that in those conversations and pull out what is actually the community starting to um, uh, talk about related to that content. So, for example, it might be a COVID article that a journalist wrote. But in the commenting section, we can start to see through our AI and our topic uh, models that really the community is more interested in, you know, the safety of vaccines. So we want to deliver that that content back to our customers so they can say, hey, maybe as a follow up article or as an as a Q&A uh, live chat, you want to talk about vaccine safety. Similarly, if you are using our ad supporter model, you can use that topic data to potentially put in advertising and offers around I'm not sure about vaccines, but I think you get the point. So understanding what your community is actually caring about and the insights you get from that can help you optimize your content strategy, optimize your engagement, and provide you with insights to better uh, monetize that entire experience. Yeah, and the other thing, too, on, on, a, on a product development side, right? I mean, I see that in face, Facebook groups as well. People talk about how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, and I think if you hear the same question over and over and over, maybe it's time for a product roadmap update or something like that based on what people are saying and, and based on what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And listen, I mean, think, go back to the basics. Communities are all about uh, content of that community that it's sharing among itself and with uh, the community host. And the more we, the more we open up that for more insights, uh, the better it is. You know, and there are other communities which are, Again, that one-to-many where brands will have a, an insight community. Uh, they want to get insights about you know, new products they're going to launch and so on. I think those are really useful from a market research perspective, but they're not true communities in my view because they don't have that many-to-many -many aspect. It's a brand asking a community of, of many to give them feedback rather than having the community participate among itself and with the brand. That's where the power is, that exponential community is that those networked experiences. Fantastic. I, it's always a sign that the information presented has been insightful and very informational and, and helpful, Mark, when we get to 30 minutes and I look up and I didn't even realize it. Certainly appreciate you sharing your insights and um, reconnecting here on the Business Storytelling Podcast. Fantastic. It was great to be here. Um, of course, uh, Viafora, you can find them at viafora.com, V-I-A-F-O-U-R-A. Also in the show notes, uh, other except Twitter, you can't send links over on there. 
Um, the live stream was, again, produced through Switcher Studio, switcherstudio.com, if you want to check them out. Trap One is a first month is off, or you can try the free trial as well for two weeks. Mark, it was my pleasure to have you on the show. Um, good luck with, uh, with the product, and hopefully people are creating better communities. I am tired of crap communities where people are just bullying each other, so hopefully this is a way to get us in that right direction. That's our mission. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.